This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Future Talk podcast. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omar Saleh and Hani Balkas on Pulse 95. Future Talk. Yes, you're listening to Future Talk right here on Pulse 95. It is a fantastic afternoon right here in the Pulse 95 studios, and we are super excited to be with you all, bringing you the latest in robotics, artificial intelligence, gadgets, and applications. All that you need to know about what's happening in the tech world, in the UAE, and around the world is being brought to you right here on Pulse 95. We have a lot to share with them today, honey, don't we? Yes, we do. And to kickstart our show for today, we're going to be talking about how One Million Arab Coders Initiative is going to be announcing the top five innovators. Now, this is great to hear, ladies and gentlemen, because I am with Arab Coders. Now, you don't (laughs) see a lot of Arabs in the tech world, unfortunately. But to see One Million Arab Coders uh, uh, volunteer and get into this competition... It's a great, great initiative, and I'm excited to talk about that. Yes, indeed. This initiative has been going on for a while, so it's great to see the winners uh, actually announce their innovations. But coming up on Future Talk, we're going to be telling you all about how two UAE universities are working on 3D-printed reusable face masks and face shields. Now, this is fantastic news because even though we're all uh, being advised to wear our protective measures from face masks to gloves, they can definitely be not as sustainable as we think they are. They are only made for being used once. So it's great to see that we are trying to be sustainable with that as well. Yes, Omnia. And we have one of my favorite guests going to be coming on the show again with a live Zoom interview with Imad Hafar who is the Regional Technical Manager at Casper Sky Middle East. Now, we brought uh, Imad on the show a couple of months ago, and the show was fantastic. And and we're here going to be talking about how COVID-19 has kind of given hackers a chance to grow fears in the hearts of many during this pandemic. Now, cybersecurity has definitely been hit very hard uh, during this pandemic because hackers love to take any chance to make money out of it. So if you've been impacted uh, in terms of any hacking issues or if you've been scammed, please let us know. Send in your experience at 4215 or do or slide into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio. If you have any questions for Imad Hafad, we're going to be speaking to him in just a few moments. It's a very exciting show, so make sure you keep Pulse 95 locked and we'll be right back. Pulse 95. Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect our world. Welcome back to Pulse 95, ladies and gentlemen. This is Future Talk, and we're going to be talking about the One Million Arab Coders Initiative and how they actually announced the top five innovators of 2020. Now, these top five student coders were actually selected for the projects that they've done. All of their projects can definitely make a difference in the Arab world. From improving health services in Jordan to empowering women in Egypt and detecting mines in Yemen, five students who took up courses from the One Million Arab Coders Initiative have definitely shown how tech and innovation can change lives. Now, looking at all of the winning projects, they definitely all deserved an award. But the five that were highlighted, uh, one of them was actually called Senad. Now, Senad is an Android application that was created by a student named Farah. She's an Iraqi living in Jordan, and she's only 26 years old, but she's definitely making big moves when it comes to making health services cheaper and allowing people to 
to access them from the comfort of their own homes. Now, what her Android app can actually do is enable users to request an appointment and search for a suitable healthcare facility within their community. Now, it does a lot more than just that because it can also provide all of those people a range of services to manage health a lot more effectively. Yes, Omni. And the second uh, top five was uh, Iman Wagdi, who is 35 years old with her initiative, which was called Ala Farza, which is an inspiring vision to empower women. Now, Iman's uh, Ala Farza gives Egyptian women the opportunity to, ho- to market their homemade food. And it does also facilitate delivery to families or individuals who may not have access to these food products. To date, the app has actually transformed the lives of 800 women across Egypt. Now, this is amazing because, again, technology will always better and and make our lives uh, for the better. Mm -hmm. And this is just showing you how a simple app can change lives. Now, as the app has just been created, already 800 women across Egypt have been helped. Absolutely. And... You know, another app that definitely caught my eye was one created by a 35-year-old uh, man called Muhammad Subhi. Now, what's interesting about it is, you know, Hani and I, you probably uh, definitely experience this. Whenever we want to buy new clothes, there are clothes that you haven't worn before. And instead of throwing away all those old clothes, Muhammad's idea for his Android app allows you to go ahead and donate them for those who are in dire need of clothing. Uh, He definitely realized that people always have the intention to donate, but are never sure how to go about it. And this is exactly why he created his application called Help the Poor, where he can connect people who want to donate their clothes to NGOs so they can go ahead, reach out to those organizations very easily and make those donations. Now, we do need to uh, make sure that we let you know that this app is still in its development stage but it's definitely on its way to be launched now Omni, i noticed something that most of these uh, innovators have used android platform to create their apps which is very important because uh android is is available across many many devices mm-hmm. and it, it is kind of uh, the cheaper alternative android phones in general are, are cheaper than uh apple products yeah. So this way, uh, the, the people are targeting the whole, the, the biggest market possible. Now, another uh, invention was by uh, Saeed Awad, whose app is called Tamini. Tamini. <laughs> and uh, he's leveraging his learnings from a data analysis course with Umak. Now, uh, Saeed is a Yemeni resident of Saudi Arabia. And he successfully launched Tamini, which is an app that does ensure the safety of students across schools in Yemen by enabling real-time location tracking using a bracelet or student card. Now, it's interesting to see how all those students were also making the most out of wearable tech. Um, Tamini is definitely an app that has a very interesting name since the word Tamini in Arabic means give me comfort and make me feel safe. Reassurance. Yes. Um, Another application that was definitely an interesting one is called Landmine Alert. And this was actually created by a very passionate computer science student in Yemen. He He wanted to create a free-to-use mind detector app, which will basically give you advice on what to do and whom to contact if anyone found themselves in a dangerous situation in Yemen. So those applications have definitely ranged from giving people who are poor uh, options and platforms for healthcare services to making sure that they feel safe and assured. But in the UAE, there is another accomplishment that we are celebrating today.
Yes, I mean, now two UAE universities have developed 3D printed reusable face masks and shields. Now, 3D printing has been the top fa- the top uh, topic uh, mm-hmm. during the COVID-19 pandemic. And a lot of companies have actually shifted to using 3D printing instead of factories because it's easier and quicker. Mm-hmm. And 3D printing is abundant across the world. Now, researchers at two UAE universities are finalizing the design of their face masks and shield before large-scale production begins in the country. Now, the UAE University in Al Ain and the New York University in Abu Dhabi will actually start to use 3D printing to make PPEs in large numbers and at a lower cost, which in turn will reduce the risk of shortages. Now, unfortunately, ever since the mm-hmm. COVID-19 pandemic, which started in the beginning uh, and at the end of December, we were seeing a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a kind of shortage yeah. in masks across the world. And uh, thankfully, a lot of companies and big name companies and universities across the world uh, were tackling that by going at, to using the alternative of 3D printing and upscaling the, 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 the production. Absolutely. And what's interesting about this invention is that it's not only going to solve a local problem, but it can also create a solution for the entire world. That is also sustainable. Right now, the masks that you and I use, the surgical masks, blue masks, and even the N95 masks, they're all disposable. So you wear them mm. once and you toss them right out. But the ones that they are creating are definitely going to be better in terms of sustainability sustainability since they are reusable and in terms of cost because all of their masks are plastic so they can be easily manufactured using very cheap uh, products and that means whenever we want to purchase them they will not be as expensive um, now both universities are definitely collaborating to make sure that these masks are made out of very soft plastic so that when it touches the face it won't actually it cause any marks once it's been being worn uh, for very high uh, amount or a large amount of numbers and the main mask minus the filter is actually sterilizable using ultraviolet light heat or chemical treatments which is exactly why it is reusable since you can sterilize it and use it multiple times the price of the mask is not yet determined but will definitely keep you up to date mm-hmm. once uh, these news are announced now now speaking about masks i'm going to give you guys information on mm-hmm. how important masks are now i believe uh, yesterday was there was a news story about uh two uh, what is the, what is the name of the of, of the nail lady uh, at salons oh, uh, manicurist the manicurist I don't know yeah. what the, the exact <laughs> name is now there were two in a salon and it turns out they had coronavirus but they were wearing masks and they, they worked on a hundred people hundred women no way right but the hundred women didn't get coronavirus because those two specialists of the nails or I don't know what it's called <laughs> manicurist manicurist they had the mask on so even they had the they normal had the surgical on, mask the surgical mask on and uh, the hundred people the hundred women they 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 worked on the nails of uh, they didn't get coronavirus because these two women did their part and put the mask on now we obviously know that we have to wash our hands but using a mask is so important that people think it's 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 just an extra layer and there was studies about oh we don't know how it's not uh, effective and only if you're sick you should wear it but But honestly like at at the end of the day i believe that if it's effective great i'm wearing it if it's not effective still you're gonna wear it you're not losing anything and 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 i believe that better safe than sorry better safe than sorry you know uh, you're not losing anything you're not paying out of your pocket to wear it actually you are but (laughs) 
not but in it's, that. It's, it's worth not in your that. health. It's worth your health. Never, never, never uh, go Un- cheap for your health, as they do say. Absolutely. Honestly, this is a great story that I'm sure is definitely gonna help people wear masks more often. Coming up, we're gonna be speaking to Imad Hafad from Kaspersky. So keep Pulse 95 locked. We'll be right back. You're, You're listening, listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Future Talk with Omiyal Saleh and Hany Balkis on Pulse 95. Coronavirus has been impacting our health physically and mentally when it comes to quarantine. But did you know that our privacy has been impacted as well? Cyber criminals have definitely made the most out of the coronavirus pandemic by launching a series of COVID-19 Uh, cyber attacks. These hackers are taking advantage of all the new systems of working from home, all the fears about the coronavirus, and the fact that people are spending more time online. Now, the UAE has definitely been revealed as the leading target in the region, and those hackers have used many tactics from email promising of urgent coronavirus updates to allowing all people to go ahead and download malicious softwares without them even knowing. Joining us today is the Regional Technical Manager at Kaspersky Middle East, Imad Haffar, who wants to share with us his wisdom when it comes to maintaining our privacy online amidst a worldwide pandemic. Welcome to the show, Imad. Thank you for having me, Umiya. Uh, Imad, a lot of us have definitely witnessed how impactful cyber attacks can be. We've seen quite the number of ways that hackers have been going for to exploit people during this pandemic. Many of us have seen links like download a coronavirus uh, antivirus application. So we want to hear from you about what you've seen since you are in this field. What are some of the tactics that hackers have been using during this pandemic? Sure. Um, If uh, you recall me from the last time I was on the show, we talked about the... uh new campaign that our researcher at Kaspersky had identified. That was around the time of uh, beginning of January, probably middle of Jan, uh, where we identified multiple uh, phishing campaigns and hundreds of uh, malicious files, all of which were designed to uh, essentially steal uh, user data. Mm-hmm. Now, all of them, they had one thing in common, that they were making uh, use of the uh, coronavirus epidemic uh, exactly in the same manner you, you talked about. They mm-hmm. were uh, promising users of uh, um, receiving information about the pandemic, uh, secrets that are heading from the public, mm-hmm. uh, vaccine, infected people names, and a lot of other information. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of these campaign was a bit uh, more uh, uh, special than the others because it uh, uh, claimed to be coming from the World Health Organization and in that email they used uh, very well structured um, text images and logos from the organization obviously wow. to try and give it more legitimacy when uh, end user receives that uh, or such such emails mm-hmm. um, this all has been going on for the past few months and obviously the wave is far from finished it's still happening uh, as we speak mm. but in uh, probably April, end of April, we noticed a change in the tactic that they use, uh, the cyber criminal used in their uh, campaign because um, ever, ever since the lockdown started, almost everyone is, has turned to uh, online shopping. And mm-hmm. uh, anyone who had done uh, any online shopping in the first few months would know that the, we, all companies, they had a problem with uh, uh, delivery. Yeah. And uh, it was interesting that we found 
a uh, number of campaigns uh, targeting end users, but this time uh, claiming to be coming from well-known uh, shipping companies, mm. apologizing for the delay in delivering their packages, and then include uh, links to phishing websites, mm -hmm. um, attachment, malicious attachment, obviously, but uh, basically they were asking recipients and users to provide information to uh, track their uh, packages, to uh, expedite the delivery, and mm -hmm. so on. All these phishing websites and uh, malicious attachment, they all downloaded a malicious code to the end user machine. Mm. And obviously they turned it into a, uh, a bot. bot. Uh, and obviously the trend would continue. So we can even expect a similar shift in the coming uh, months, uh, if you will. Because once uh, a new development uh, happened in the uh, corona uh, uh, epidemic, Mm -hmm. Definitely, the cyber criminals would use that to change their tactic. Uh, say when uh, probably they announce a, uh, the uh, successful testing of a vaccine. Mm -hmm. Definitely, we'll see uh, campaigns targeting end users with uh, such um, claims. Website to sign up uh, to be on the list of <laughs> vaccinations. Now, Imad, I have a question. When when these hackers they target uh, a person, are they targeting a computer, a PC, or they're targeting uh, a, a mobile phone so they can play? this botnet on their device look uh, this kind of campaign we call them uh, mass uh, campaign because mm. obviously they're not targeted they don't uh, go after certain individuals or mm. organizations they try to uh, reach the uh, uh, widest audience possible or recipient uh, uh, possible and once they uh, reach the uh, the high number of uh, users when the user click on uh, the uh, malicious link or open the attachment, uh, there is a certain sequence of events that would happen, which basically um, scans the, uh, the the device you use to to open the, the link. Mm -hmm. And then based on the operating system, it might react in a different manner. So it might download a certain piece of code when you're using a Windows machine. Mm -hmm. If you're using a, a mobile of, uh, with Android uh, operating system, for example, mm -hmm. it might react differently. Mm -hmm. So the campaign might be targeting a certain um, uh, platform like Windows users, mm -hmm. uh, Android or any other operating system. Mm -hmm. But for the large part of it, it will be more of a generic. So it depends on the device you use. And then accordingly, the link or the site you reach, the phishing site, site you reach will react in a different manner. Now, Imad, I have a question now. Obviously, uh, we're going to be having these phishing uh, emails coming from the email, but sometimes uh, we need to look at the email and the email address sending it to us. But unfortunately, uh, we do know that there is email spoofing. So how can we defer from the actual email and the fake email, the spoofed email? Right, that's a very good question because I do agree that uh, uh, spotting a uh, phishing email and spam email can sometimes be a tricky job. Mm -hmm. Now, all of us use uh, the spam filters in our email clients mm -hmm. and they do a pretty good job doing that. Uh, they have, uh, many of them have machine learning capabilities so they can adapt and learn which uh, email messages they should block and prevent from reaching our inbox. Uh, but obviously, every now and then, we will get uh, some of these messages. And it's important to uh, usually follow certain steps to try and uh, to identify if the email is uh, probably a legitimate or a phishing or spam email. Mm -hmm. For example, one of the things that I always tell everybody to use is not to look at the sender name, mm. because that's something that anyone can type manually. 
Mm. So if it says it's coming from X person organization, it doesn't mean that it is actually coming from that source. Mm-hmm. Always expand the sender uh, field. Look at the domain. Where is it coming from? Uh, if it says it's coming from, uh, again, X vendor or, or supplier, but the domain doesn't mention that, uh, that domain, then most probably there is something at least suspicious about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it, it hadn't come really from the source it claims to be coming from. Um, sometimes the domain would be spilt or misspilt, basically, to try and make it a bit more complex for the end users mm-hmm. to identify uh, mm-hmm. those uh, phishing emails. So the point is, you need to look at the domain name, mm-hmm. uh, the email uh, address itself, rather than the sender name. Mm-hmm. Another important uh, thing or common even uh, factor in all spam emails, usually they have weak uh, text again, for the large part of it. Majority of uh, spam emails and, and phishing, you would be able to identify mistakes in the grammar, in the text, even sometimes sentences that don't make sense at all. Mm-hmm. They are just inserted into the, the, the body of the email. And if that's the case, most probably this is not a legitimate uh, email. Mm. Another factor is the sense of urgency. If you feel the email, the text in the email is pushing you to act quickly before you do something, mm. then definitely this is a phishing email. Mm. Uh, they create usually, like the false sense of urgency, basically. Uh, exactly. They use that to uh, put the reader in panic mode. Mm. And usually when we are in that mode, we tend to think less of our actions. And then they increase their chances of us clicking the link inside the email. Yeah. So always read the, the email carefully, the body, the, the body of the email. If it gives you that sense of urgency, most probably it is a uh, phishing email. Absolutely. Course, always being attentive. One, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And the attachment uh, subject, which we all are aware of. Don't open the attachment. Um, in the case I mentioned to you, uh, the phishing email coming from uh, delivery company or shipping companies, probably a better approach is for me to call these guys and ask mm-hmm. them what information they want from me or log into my online uh, account with them and then update any information they might need instead of opening the attachment coming with the email itself. Absolutely. Just like we need to be cautious with our health, we need to be cautious with our privacy. We're going to be taking a short break, but once we come back, we're going to be talking all about how we can stay cautious and maintain our privacy while working from home. Keep Pulse95 locked. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pulse95. Pulse95. Future Talk with Omni Al Saleh and Hany Balkis on Pulse 95. Hackers definitely have magical ways to make sure that we get that false sense of urgency whenever they want to send a spam email or create a phishing email as well. But apart from just impacting us as users or as regular uh, users of the Internet, cyber criminals have also been targeting UAE hospitals and people working from home to try and take the most advantage out of this pandemic for their financial gain. Joining us today is the regional technical manager at Kaspersky Middle East, Imad Haffar, who is going to be sharing with us a few tips on how we can maintain our privacy amidst a worldwide pandemic. Welcome to the show once again, Imad. Thank you, Omnia. Uh, Imad, 
As I mentioned, uh, hospitals have definitely been a very big target by cyber attackers and hospitals definitely need to have access to all their patients' files now more than ever in the middle of a pandemic. So a lot of hospitals can find themselves having no choice but to pay for the data that's being blocked because it could be the difference between a patient's life or death. What should hospitals and healthcare professionals do in your opinion in such cases? Do they pay the ransom or is there any other tactic that they could use? All right. So when it comes to uh, ransomware in, in, in specific, uh, obviously hospitals are one of the critical utilities in the society and the data they have is very critical and important for their operation. But obviously they aren't the only um, target of uh, ransomware uh, creators and, and uh, senders. Uh, but nevertheless, um, when it comes to the incident where the infection might happen, definitely paying the ransom isn't the best course of action mm-hmm. uh, for two reasons. One, we don't have any guarantee that uh, the data would actually be restored. Two, and more importantly, uh, is that by paying the ransom, we encourage that uh, behavior. Uh, when cyber criminals uh, understand that their actions are uh, bringing them the benefit they were looking for, they will obviously continue to carry out that kind of activities. But when they feel that the benefit isn't uh, worth it, they will definitely stop uh, 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 pursuing that kind uh, of activity. Mm-hmm. So definitely paying the ransom isn't the best of best course of action. The best course of action is to be prepared to uh, embrace ourselves, embrace our organizations, to be prepared for such uh, an incident, should it ever happen. And the way we prepare uh, is very, uh, I won't say simple, but it is straightforward. Mm -hmm. So we need to take certain steps, either individual as individuals or as organizations, to make sure that the access to our systems and data cannot be interrupted with with such, um, excuse me, with such uh, uh, incident. So, for instance, uh, the uh, uh, keeping systems and applications or software on any machine, any device updated is critical. Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably many of these ransomware would use uh, or exploit a vulnerability in an existing uh, software. And then, obviously, they will have better chance of infecting the, uh, um, the device. So, keeping any device that we use updated is very critical. Don't press Using later import- on the... <laughs> every time your computer tells you to update, most of us just press later. Um, uh, exactly. But, I mean, delaying this update, mm. it might mean it might means the difference between getting uh, being a victim to such attack or not. Absolutely. Especially, again, if the ransomware, if the malware itself, is uh, uh, exploiting any known vulnerability in the used device. Mm. Now, the second uh, measure could be, obviously, using protecting the device itself using an uh, uh, endpoint protection uh, uh, solution. The reputable ones, they can do very good job protecting on eliminating the vast majority of such uh, threats. A very key um, um, factor is uh, educating users because in most uh, the cases that I've seen related to ransomware, user intervention uh, was part of the infection. Mm. So when the user allows the, um, uh, the the malware or the ransomware to be executed on one's machine, uh, obviously that will facilitate the uh, the spread of the, of the infection inside the network and to, to propagate from one device to another. Mm-hmm. So investing in educating users, make them aware of the 
risks surrounding them when they are using any um, uh, electronic device, how to practice um, basic hygiene and being um, 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 safe when online or when we're using any system is also uh, critical. Mm -hmm. uh, last but not least, I can think of uh, obviously uh, data backup. Uh, because definitely if the data is encrypted, the best way to restore data and uh, restore business uh, uh, operation is to have a healthy uh, backup copy. Now, for many people, the word data backup might seem uh, intimidating uh, because... Time consuming, um, yeah. Yeah, but even for individuals, there are a lot of tools that they can use which makes mm -hmm. the data backup procedure very simple, very straightforward. And uh, believe it or not, this might be the source uh, or, or the solution to the problem uh, of uh, ransomware, for, for mm -hmm. example. Now, 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 you brought up uh, individuals. Now, uh, most of the time we see ransomware being targeted to companies, to hospitals or any type of a, a big foundation. But uh, can individuals like you and I be targeted for ransomware? For sure. And uh, as I said uh, earlier, uh, the large part of these attacks, uh, they are what we call the mass attacks, mass spamming, mass uh, mm -hmm. uh, 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 campaigns. So they don't really target individuals or certain organization. In certain cases, they might if um, a, a, a high profile target or the organization is uh, being targeted by uh, a certain entity yeah. uh, or individuals even. Um, but for the large part of it, this is the kind of mass um, 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 uh, malware infection. Mm -hmm. So it's just my luck that I got the uh, phishing email. It managed to slip, slip through all the uh, protection uh, layers that I have. It reached yeah. my uh, uh, inbox and then the user clicked the link or uh, uh, executed the, the attachment, which allowed the ransomware to... Uh, to propagate either on my uh, or the user individual machine or in a uh, organization like a hospital for example mm -hmm. but in most cases i would say this is the mass uh, mailing kind of uh, campaign absolutely and as you mentioned knowledge is power so as long as we're taking our hygiene in terms of privacy updating our laptops or gadgets constantly and backing up our information we should hopefully minimize the damage coming up we're going to be talking all about how can we better prepare for a cyber covid covid19 might be the pandemic or is the pandemic of 2020 but definitely we will be faced with struggles in the future so how can we better be better prepared all this and more is going to be coming up right here on future talk only on pulse 95 this is pulse 95 Future Talk with Omni Al Saleh and Hany Balkis on Pulse 95. COVID-19 is not the only risk with the ability to quickly change the way we live. This crisis has definitely shown all of us, the entire world, that it is far more prone to disturbance by pandemics and cyber attacks than history shows. Our new normal isn't COVID-19 itself, it's incidents that are like COVID-19. And that's why it's very important for us to learn lessons from this pandemic and use them to prepare for future global pandemics, but also future global cyber attacks. Joining us today is the Regional Technical Manager at Kaspersky Middle East, Imad Hafad, who has been sharing with us his wisdom when it comes to maintaining our privacy online amidst a worldwide pandemic. Imad, can you tell us a little bit about how can we, every single person of us, how can we better prepare for the cyber COVID? 
Well, um, um, there is something that I like to call uh, uh, safe habits. Mm. Uh, I think if every one of us exercised uh, certain or included certain um, habits into our daily uh, uh, activities, over time, uh, we will build that habit into our uh, daily routine. And then we will be better prepared to encounter any uh, similar uh, incident, cyber incident, such as the the ones we're talking about today. So there are a lot of uh, things that uh, we can talk about in, in this regard. But obviously, if you ask me about the maybe top, I don't know, six, seven uh, uh, tips, um, I would say for individuals, uh, you need to always think two, even three times before you click um, download or install. I would even expand it to say uh, uh, when before you share anything uh, uh, online. When you're trying to download an app, for example, just think for a second, how did you reach that that stage? Was it a link in uh, a WhatsApp message that lead you to this website? Or did you manually uh, move, navigate it to that uh, website to download an app which you know exactly what you need to do with it? Mm. Uh, was it an ad in a search engine or any other way where you reached to that point to, again, download or install an application? So always think give it a deep thought at least two three times before you actually take an action because most probably you can reverse that action once once you make it um also the um the topic of passwords is is, is very important mm -hmm. i mean we can probably spend the whole show <laughs> talking about passwords and how they are constructed what is a mm -hmm. strong password how they're cracked uh, but long story short use a password manager yeah. There are plenty of offering in the market. We have our own and uh, they are pretty good in doing what they do. So what does they a password generate... manager do basically for those? Well, who it does a lot of things, but the main objective of a password manager encrypts is to everything. Create, uh, encrypt the passwords, yeah. the unique passwords, I would say that mm. it will generate for you for each um, account or online service that uh, you have an account in. So essentially, instead of reusing the same passwords or use weak passwords or writing down the passwords on a piece of paper, um, you can use the password manager. You have one big master, very strong password, which protect, encrypts that database of passwords. Mm -hmm. And then the password manager will manage everything else for you. So it's a very, very convenient tool. I encourage everyone to uh, to use one at least and that password manager i feel like would actually suggest what password you had for a certain website it's kind of like they're all saved within it exactly it will generate a unique random password for each website and mm -hmm. then saves it for you in its own database and encrypts that database with what we call a master password mm -hmm. so it makes the um, um, um the password hygiene more practical uh, for all of us. Mm -hmm. It's extremely difficult for any one of us to remember a long list of, I don't know, 20, 30 Definitely. unique strong passwords, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's much easier to recall or remember one uh, complex password to protect that database and then uh, use the password manager to generate and manage all the other passwords for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, so, and um, some, yeah. Uh, something else I want to say is about uh, the people who, strangers who talk to you and social engineer you out of recovery questions. But that's actually a very good point, uh, Hani, because it's quite often the case uh, when we give out uh, obvious answers to the questions 
the recovery questions that are used on the website. And guess what? These mm. answers, most probably, they can be recovered from our social uh, uh, media accounts. Yeah. Mm. Because it's my grandma name or uh, address or childhood hero or anything else. Absolutely. So there is a chance that I've shared this information somewhere and now I'm using it to recover my password. Mm -hmm. So this is a very, very dangerous practice as well. So password manager can help me in that regard as well because I may give any random string to that uh, as an answer for that question. True. It doesn't have to be a real answer. And then I record that inside the password manager. So, so it's, yeah, it's if all ever I need to recover, recall it, recover it, I mean, um, um, I can uh, recall it from the database. Exactly. So if we can take anything from you today, it's definitely lots of tips that have been filling this episode. But make sure that you set up unique passwords for every account that you use. And you have the password manager to thank for that. Imad Hafar, it's always been an honor having you on our show. And this time, mm. definitely a greater honor since we can all use your wisdom when Ho it comes to maintaining our privacy. Hopefully next time, Imad, we'll have you in the studio and uh, coronavirus <laughs> won't be here anymore so we can uh, re-enjoy the, the post-interview uh, questions. Definitely, honey. It's always a pleasure being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Habibi. To everyone tuning in to us right now, thank you so much for listening. Future Talk is coming to an end, but we're going to be opening the airwaves for the Dream Team. Aisha Mazmi and Mikhail Atiyah will keep you entertained with the latest shows and movies that are going to be found in the entertainment industry. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. Keep Pulse95 locked, and we'll see you next time. This is Pulse95. Tune in live every weekday from 2 p.m.